0: Welcome, welcome back to Rise to Liberty podcast. I am joined by uh, two very driven and creative people who saw an opportunity uh, that nobody else was taking for some reason. Uh, I am joined by, uh, do you guys want to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, hi, I'm Matias. I'm living in Paraguay for a year now and living here with my wife and my 11-year-old son.
2: Yeah my name is linus i'm from also from germany i live also in paraguay since roughly one year and i met uh, matthias his wife and his kid um right at the start and we came together and i had quickly discovered that we share the same world views
0: so just real quick before we get into exactly what you know a couple of uh Uh, natural born germans are doing down in paraguay um do you guys want to just talk a little bit about yourselves, kind of how you came to uh, have the values that you hold.
2: Um, for me, it started uh, roughly 10 years ago. A friend of mine introduced me to some so-called conspiracy theories and to libertarianism. And I read some books about libertarianism and it just resonated with me right from the start. And I became dissatisfied in Germany and Europe as a whole from 2015, but it was still comfortable and okay to live in Germany. But, uh, since 2020, I thought about leaving Germany and I was looking for countries to go to, and, um, there were not many options. Uh, I quickly discarded, uh, the European Union as a whole or Europe as a whole. And then after some time, um, Some people I know from Germany told me that they're going to Paraguay, which I haven't heard of a lot before. Then I did some research. Uh, It sounded good to me. And then I booked a vacation to Paraguay, made my residency, and then I decided I want to live here.
1: yeah for me it was like i was living in i grew up in germany 2007 i decided to live a year in new zealand to pick up the language to see a different side of the world and yeah basically got back to germany and i never arrived in germany like it was a total different lifestyle i experienced in new zealand back then and yeah i started backpacking for a couple of years and did that yeah five years met my wife in colombia 2011 yeah we got married and yeah we were living in Germany for the last 11 years. And for my wife, it was clear she wanted to go back to South America or Central America one day and yeah, we had to make it happen.
0: That's awesome. So what, what got you into, I, I guess, the, uh, the Liberty movement, the, the idea that people should be able to live free, uh, without coercion or threat of force
1: it was like yeah during the corona pandemic we had like a lot of like yes yeah, things happening in Germany like we had big lockdowns and it was just way too much for me like yeah, couldn't yeah. deal with that anymore I was self-employed my wife was self-employed we didn't get any help from the government and yeah it, was, it wasn't easy Surprise. in that time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: yeah that's that's wild um I've I've noticed I've talked to quite a few people so I myself just real quick I was introduced, uh, to this whole movement, the the whole idea, uh, just right outside of high school or a- actually I was in high school. Uh, it was because of Ron Paul, uh, his 2008 campaign. And I didn't really pay attention until after high school, um, in 2012 when he ran again. And that's when I started taking it seriously. And it was all uphill from there because, you know, it's, a struggle to be able to convince people that you can live without uh, the threat of force. You know, you you don't have to uh, hurt people and you don't have to steal their things. It's uh, incredible how difficult it is to spread that idea. Luckily it seems to be catching on. Um, COVID seemed to be, well, the government's response to COVID seems to be the big awakening for a lot of people these days. Um, Specifically, how was Germany? Uh, You said it was overwhelming. Do you want to get a little bit more specific?
1: It was overwhelming. It started like, yeah, in one week they were closing down the schools. They were closing down the airports. It was, yeah, overwhelming. Like we are like a young family with 11 year old kid and like they closed the school and I have a business running. My wife has a business running. And how are you supposed to deal with that? Like it, we had to really like buckle down and organizing it. The good thing is we were both self-employed and we could manage it. But yeah, like. A lot of young kids, they lost a lot of quality of their life because they were locked up at home.
0: What about you, Linus?
2: Yeah, I think in the beginning, the government response was similar to everywhere in the world, just lockdowns and uh, curfews and stuff. Um, But for me, what was ridiculous is after one and a half years, so the winter of 2020 to 2021, they still did the same lockdown as the year before like i think don't remember correctly maybe 4 or 5 months of total lockdown where you were only supposed to meet uh, one person at a time i think um and it was so ridiculous when for example um it was florida which opened completely and also other countries in the netherlands they opened and all those countries dropped uh, the regulations the uh, lockdowns and germany still held on to it Basically, I think similar to how New York acted or still acting, maybe <laughs> similar to Germany.
0: So was there just like one thing that was like finally broke the camel's back to where like both of you or was it just collectively all of it coming down, especially so quickly?
2: For me, it was immediately uh, when the government responses the lockdown started. I told my friends that they, if they're going to keep that up for let's say, I think it was back then half a year. So it was in March 2020. And I told my friends if they're going to keep it up until August 2020, I'm leaving Germany and immediately after one or two months, I knew that this thing is going to last longer than a few months. And I was in my head. I already decided to leave Germany, but uh, I was still studying at the time. I was writing my master thesis um, and I decided to finish that in Germany. And after that, i was i i was leaving immediately
0: yeah i i don't blame you uh it seemed pretty authoritarian where i was it was just uh do as do as we say um but there was more of a social aspect of of course the uh government ultimately came and made the decisions and said uh you know this is what all the businesses have to do otherwise you'll be fined or closed permanently But there was a lot of social aspect um you know people shaming you for not wearing a mask or um saying really terrible things treating you know your fellow citizens like uh you know they're the cause of all of this uh confusion and you know all, all of this fear uh while actually it was just the media but um yeah it's really interesting um, I do feel kind of bonded with some people because it seems like we almost experienced the exact same thing no matter where we were.
1: Yeah, I was turning jobs down in Germany. Like I'm a cabinet maker and I had like clients and they wanted to uh, me to work with a mask in their house and like I turned the jobs down. I didn't do that. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I did the kind of the same thing. I, I was working in a warehouse. I never stopped working. Um, you know, even though they closed things down some supply chains were still open, uh, particularly, uh, alcohol. So I, I worked in a beer warehouse for quite a while. And I mean, I would build the orders for the grocery stores. We're, we're talking, you know, a couple thousand cases of beer a day. So we're running, you know, we're practically athletes and they wanted us to wear masks and no, it didn't happen. I, I tried and I just said, no, this is ridiculous. Let a mask rebellion, and uh, everyone stopped wearing it because of me. So,
2: you know, awesome.
0: <laughs> little little win there.
2: Awesome. <laughs> so,
0: to uh, to move a little bit forward, you guys are in Paraguay.
1: We are um, Paraguay, yes.
0: So what what was the decision for Paraguay so versus maybe like
2: other countries? Yes. Um. To be upfront, Paraguay is not like heaven on earth. It's not a paradise. And I'm sure there are other countries that are suitable as well for people like us. Um, just a few months ago up until a few months ago, people like Brazil a lot, which I can understand, but now there's a new president, some socialist guy. And I I'm not so <laughs> sure about Brazil anymore, or maybe Mexico and places in Asia are probably fine as well. But why I, and we personally chose, um, Paraguay is for one, obtaining residency is really easy. It's, uh, you just have to pay the administrative fees. Um, and then you get, uh, now you get a two year residency. And after the two years you can renew it for 10 years. Um, it's not like you have to invest a lot of money like in other countries to obtain residency. So the entry barrier was really low to go to Paraguay. And, um, also, Paraguay is um, self-sufficient in electricity and drinking water and in food. So what I mean by this, um, concerning electricity, Paraguay has the second biggest hydroelectric power plant in the world. It's called the Itaipu Dam, and together with another hydroelectric, hydroelectric power plant, uh, um, it makes up for 99% of the electricity in consumed in Paraguay. So uh, Paraguay has one of the cheapest electricities in the world with, I think, five or six uh, dollar cents uh, per kilowatt hour. Um, Also Paraguay, um, concerning the drinking water, Paraguay has the second biggest freshwater reservoir in the world. Um, It's called the Guarani Aquiver, I think. (laughs) Um, And it lies beneath Paraguay, Argentina, and Brazil. And it means basically anyone who can afford it, um, has its own mountain or well on the property and produces their own drinking water. So, uh, friends of us are either already having, I or can jump
1: in like, real quick, like we just purchased a property and like without much issues, like you get a permit and you're like, um, willing to drill a well, it's like 270 meters and then you have like a lifelong water supply. You don't have additional costs you have to costs one time it's round about it depends on the depth how deep you need to go but it's round about six seven thousand dollars and then you have like lifelong drinking water
0: wow that's that's incredible uh yeah. what so it it appears that uh you know water and food seems pretty like the uh your food freedom
1: absolutely it's, it's
2: you yeah.
0: you've got uh more than what other places have.
1: Yeah. Paraguay um, produces like, yeah, a lot of soya beans, um, wheat, wood, a big wheat exporter, and like, yeah, big agriculture.
0: Yeah. It, it It's interesting, you know, the, obviously, uh, not just the US, there's places all over the world that are uh, restricting people from uh, collecting rainwater, growing their own gardens. Uh, mm. I just read an article a few weeks ago that's saying, uh, some government department here wants people to register their vegetable gardens. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, Food is practically massive. You know? <laughs> I'm not going to uh, have government, uh, just bureaucrat coming in, telling me what I can, cannot grow. It's just ridiculous. So that's that's good to hear. Uh, what about like other freedoms? Um How's, like, freedom of speech or, like, the right to self-defense? How's everything else down there?
2: Well, uh, concerning the right to self-defense, Paraguay has very, um, I say, low gun laws. So you can legally purchase, own, and use a gun on your property. Um, And with free speech, uh, I don't follow the Paraguayan media too much, but um, to make a comparison, I know that in Germany, if you post the wrong things on Facebook, you can go to jail, like the the hate speech stuff, something like that in Paraguay doesn't exist at all. Um, And also property rights in Paraguay are well respected. The police doesn't just come on your property. There are no random house searches when you criticize the government. So um, there need to be some extreme allegations and some proof that you did something wrong that the police comes to your property. So,
0: so it, it seems like, it's, um, like, uh, it's just it's a lot just more relaxed.
1: relaxed it's there. way more relaxed here, yes. Yeah. I mean, so, it, Germany is really strict compared to the States, like with like little things, like there's so many different rules in Germany and it's really incredible.
0: So you, you had mentioned like hate speech laws or restrictions on what you can and cannot say. Um, is that particular to, um, like a special class of people, Uh, the people that you cannot judge, or is it just whatever they decide to make it?
1: And whatever they decide to make it, I would say, yeah.
0: Interesting. It's, uh, interesting seeing how different countries are handling that, which (laughs) hate speech, what the hell is that? It doesn't exist. So, to kind of jump into it, you you guys started um, this website, uh, that this program, Residency for Pirogui, and do you kind of want to just explain the, the process uh, what you are offering to people?
2: Yeah, so we have uh, two options. One is the basic residency where we pick up people at the airport, go to Encarnacion, it's where we live and where you have an immigration agency office. And then we do the whole process with them and they get all the, the, um, papers, which prove that they applied for residency. Um, and we also check all the documents beforehand and tell people which documents they need. So we basically just, um, help them with the whole process. And we also offer another package, uh, which is like a total Paraguay experience, where we show them the country for seven days, um, make trips to the most interesting spots, show them how we live, um, how the healthcare is, where there are hospitals, how the schools are, and just everything around the Paraguayan life.
0: So, obviously Obviously, there's a... uh, a certain marketability, uh, people who don't feel safe, uh, in where, wherever they choose to lay their head. Um, so you're giving them an option to say, Hey, it's pretty nice over here and we'll make sure and help you. Exactly. Honestly, I can't believe nobody else is doing that. Uh, like we were talking about before, uh, we started that you, it wasn't, uh, being done for English speakers, is what you said, correct?
1: Yeah, but Paraguay is a really overlooked country, too. Like, I personally traveled quite a lot in the world. I've seen a lot of different countries. I visited almost 60 different countries in my life already. And, yeah, I didn't know much about Paraguay. To be honest, I didn't even know the capital, like, since a year ago. And, yeah, it's Asuncion, by the way. Yeah, and it's totally overlooked that country.
0: So, how, how are... Uh the the native people are they like welcoming accepting of new people coming in or
1: like the most welcoming people i have experienced on this planet like it's incredible like so kind-hearted lovely helpful in a really good mood all the day long yeah not crumpy
0: wow it's incredible
1: really like yeah
0: i would stick out like a sore thumb yeah
2: (laughs) and also the paraguayans love a foreigner when they, they foreign a different country, yeah. they're so like interesting and welcoming and friendly because Paraguay doesn't have a lot of tourism. Nobody goes to Paraguay really, so it's rare that they meet a foreigner. And so they're always like, Oh, you're from Germany, why are you in Paraguay? What are you doing here? They're really interested.
0: One thing One I'm thing always I'm really curious, curious, curious about, about is uh so how's how, how's, the, how's, the, how's food? the food? And like what what the uh, typical dishes are are served beef. or available
1: like beef in all kind of different varieties it's really amazing and really high good quality of beef
0: well i imagine since you know they don't have the uh the factory farms and this uh massive overly processed factories to just pump out uh practical poison <laughs> to put yes. on ourselves man that's. I, I was looking at pictures, um, you know, preparing a little bit f- for having this interview, and because I didn't know much about the country either, and it it is a gorgeous, gorgeous country. Yes. So let's see here. I'm just gonna pull this up real quick, just to make sure I had the information correct. Um. So. When, when did you guys launch this? And um, what has been the response since you have launched it?
2: Um, we launched it approximately two and a half or three months ago. Yeah. Um, and we back then went on um, Monerotopia, where you have been also before. And um, the response was immediately overwhelming. A lot of people were interested. Um, The thing is, a few weeks after that, Paraguay changed the laws for residency. Before, it was extremely easy to obtain residency. You just have to do the process once and you get permanent lifetime residency. So a lot of people were interested and now Paraguay has changed the law to the two-year temporary residency and after that you get a 10-year residency. So some people backed off after that. And some people had to sort out a few things because we also had to adjust because uh, the process changed a little bit. But still, there's a lot of people interested. Um, and a lot of people are thinking like you and we do um, that Western countries are, well, not the safest place on earth in the future and are thinking about the plan B. So
0: obviously, um that's the I, I guess main target audience um that it seems like you guys are um, attempting to attract i i assume there's just some people that just kind of want to get out though right
2: yes yes we had uh, one request from australia australia and he wanted to get out immediately
0: yeah i, I would as well those those guys have uh gone a little overboard
1: (laughs) last week we had a client flying in from new york and like yeah he's originally born in jamaica but living in new york the last couple of years and yeah he's so happy down here and he really loves it
0: it's just so incredible honestly i'm i'm kind of just in odd this is the coolest part of being able to have a podcast and be able to talk to people actually doing something um I've, I've talked to a lot of, uh, you know, so-called freedom fighters. They'll just talk and argue, uh, semantics or, um, principle, which, Hey, I love doing. Um, but you also need to back it up with something. So honestly, I highly admire what you guys are doing and it just makes me stoked that people are actually doing something about it and that you guys are getting a good response.
2: Yeah, that's the thing I was thinking about also sometimes after I moved here to Paraguay. I was also arguing with people about liberty and libertarian ideals um, for the past 10 years. And at some point in the discussion, it was always when people told me, well, if you don't like it in Germany, then leave. And back then my response was always, well, everywhere in the world, there's a government and they all restrict my freedom. But now it was just too much in Germany and Paraguay has, like, um, let's say, close to a, what is it in English, a minimal state, minimum state. And yeah, I just then took the initiative and said, yeah, now I am going to leave Germany.
0: <laughs> I'll show you, I will leave. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It was the same for me, like they were bugging me so much with the taxes in Germany and like, yeah, the schooling of my kid. And like, that was really important for me, like the future of my son. And I don't want my kid to grow up in a country which is like, yeah, which is not developing, which is not growing, which is like, yeah, getting stuck. And it's really, really important. then. And even now seeing like the schooling here, like my kid goes to a private school, a private colegio, it's called. And it's, it's around about $60 a month for that private school and it's in my opinion and my wife she's like an english teacher and this school system is better here than in germany i would say like what i experienced from my experience yeah the way the teachers they treat the kids like the way they learn it's really different
0: so one thing i'm curious about is how how difficult was it to go from you know germany where you were fairly yeah, uh, uncomfortably comfortable because you know it was a uh, known surrounding going to a completely unknown place uh, how was that transition
1: and for me personally like i said i traveled quite a lot i lived in india i've been in nepal for a long time and like i know what i was expecting which standard and like sure we have a way lower standard here than which we're used to in europe but i'm totally fine with that like I knew what I was signing up for, basically.
2: Yeah, for me, I also lived abroad for um, in total one year I studied abroad in Eastern Europe in two different countries. And uh, also it was easy to um, start in Paraguay because there's so many Germans here. Um, I immediately met uh, Matthias and his wife and We have like a a friends group of Germans of like 15 to 20 people that are really good friends here in Paraguay. And I know some base, I knew some basic Spanish beforehand, and then I immediately started to learn Spanish and to force myself to go out and meet people. And I reached uh, some basic fluency in Spanish after a few months. So it was really welcoming at the beginning and then easy to integrate in Paraguay.
0: Yeah, that that just sounds great, honestly. You know,
2: yeah, they
1: don't speak any English here.
0: <laughs> interesting, but yeah. I it, it it seems as though it's a fairly welcoming culture, so they're probably fairly patient. Would you say?
2: Yes. Absolutely. Well,
0: there's that because I have a feeling that uh you know there's probably a decent amount of people in my area that would not. Be uh, quite so patient. So it's glad, or I'm I'm glad to hear that uh, there are people still out in the world like that that are not only welcoming to uh, other, people from other cultures, um, curious, but also patient. Um, this world doesn't seem to have a whole lot of patience anymore. So that's honestly great to hear. Um, um one one thing,
2: one thing you said earlier about. Um, Hey, pe- people shaming you in the US and it happens in Europe too because you have a different opinion that's something that doesn't happen in Paraguay um, we experienced that uh, during the so called pandemic um, Paraguayans were also scared they wore their masks like, uh, like, uh, like good people do um, but if you don't wear a mask they don't lecture you they don't care they protect themselves and everything else they don't care about that's something like um, yeah, people don't tell you how to live your life here in Paraguay. That's something I really liked.
0: You sold me right there. <laughs> <laughs> so it it seems like it was a pretty pleasant experience all the way through. Is there anything that, like, stands out that was difficult, uh, going through the process of getting your, uh, citizenship, um pretty pretty much anything is there anything that stands out uh, that somebody that might want to do this would be interested in knowing
2: Uh, i can speak for myself i back then also did it with an immigration helper with a um, german paraguayan speaking woman and for me the process was pretty easy and straightforward um I informed myself which documents I needed before, which was for me, just a birth certificate and a police record. Then I sent all my documents to this woman. She checked them. Um, I told her when I'm coming to Paraguay and we scheduled a day for doing the whole process with the agencies and stuff. And then we did it. It was one day. And after that, everything was done and I got, the um, residency document a few months later.
1: Yeah, I had a similar experience. I did it through German and it took me like, yeah, one day for me and my family and it was all done, it was all arranged in upfront and I sent him all the papers in advance and he checked the papers, gave me the sums up and yeah, we booked the flight to Paraguay and it was done in the morning.
0: Wow. So it's also, also a quick process.
1: Yeah. Like, so I had a couple of friends, like German friends, which I hooked up to this German guy. So he was doing like the residence for this guys. And like the quickest one was 72 minutes to get the residence. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Leaving my house, going to the office and coming back. It's incredible.
0: Um, One thing I'm curious about just sitting here thinking, uh, what is the job market like down there? Is it easy to get a job or, you know, start businesses?
1: Uh, you need to be self-employed i would say like finding a job here like you we from a western world you don't want to work like for the paraguayan income like the paraguayan income it's like six thousand dollars a year maybe for an average like it's really low the income and like i'm self-employed i am having a little um cabinet making shop here i'm a master cabinet maker in germany i brought all my equipment here and like yeah it starts picking up here it's a different quality The standard here. It's like, let's say uh, in some things really 30 years behind.
0: Is it, is it fair to say that probably because it's, um, a, a, how do I phrase this? A, uh, not one of the more wealthy countries is it people have learned how to be able to, um, make do with what is available
1: that's how i see it and like in what i can say from my side is like i have people they look at my work and oh wow you're so good and that's so smart and that's so intelligent and i say no i just at the opportunity or i grew up in europe and i saw it done made a lot of different times in very very different ways and those paraguayans here they just see one way of doing it and i just experienced and seen a lot different than they do it's not that i'm better i just i've seen more of the world if they would have seen more, they would have to do the same opp- opportunities than I would.
0: Well, that that definitely seems more of like a uh, a a nurture kind of uh, aspect to this. It just seems like something probably within their culture. Um, you know, it's a particular way because that's how it's always been done, and there's very little changes. Um, would you say that that's kind of a fair statement?
1: It's starting to change now, like especially the younger generation, they're like all used to Instagram and Facebook and like yes, big change happening. They wanna live different than their parents. Like yeah, twenty years ago they didn't have access to all the social media, and now they, they see how it's working different on other planets, on other countries in the world, and they wanna have a change too.
2: Also and one thing why Paraguay um used to be so poor and still is there's they're now catching up but Paraguay is still one of the poorest countries in South America um they started the bloodiest war in South America in 1870 where 80% of the male population of Paraguay died so they lost 80%, 80% yeah, yeah they lost basically all the workforce and uh, all the knowledge they had back then and so they basically started from scratch at 1870, wow. uh, and that's why Paraguay is a little bit behind compared to other South American countries. But uh, Paraguay has a steady economic growth compared to other countries in South America. So, I would say Paraguay is on a good way.
0: So, um, how much? Because I know um, South South America, Central America has a uh, either. Love it or hate it, relationship with uh, communism. Uh, how is how is it that type of collectivism addressed in Paraguay?
2: Or, um, yeah, that's a bit difficult because um, they have two parties here. One is like the more socialist, and one is the more conservatives. But they're just both corrupt. Um, every Paraguayan knows that politicians are corrupt, and the government is the worst. When I tell them how the governments in Europe or in Germany work, they are astonished that there are worse governments than the Paraguayan. (laughs) 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 And the the tax rate in Paraguay is only 10%. So the government can only rob so much from the people, um, which also shows within the society here. People regard laws more as guidelines. There are some some laws that are strictly being followed, like uh, don't kill anyone, obviously, but there are some laws that, well, they just ignore it because it's senseless. And um, that's what I like about Paraguay and what I think is important long term, because the government can change in a heartbeat, as you saw now in Brazil with uh, Bolsonaro um, getting out of office and now socialist is there. And that can happen in Paraguay, too. Um, But the people just don't, like, live according to the government.
0: I I admire that. That's incredible. Um, Have you gotten any pushback from the government regarding starting your business and trying to bring people in? Not at all. All right. That's kind of interesting. Well, I guess it's, you know, more taxes. So... 10%? But 10%? It, the, that's what you said was 10%? Was... 10%, 10%. Right.
2: Interesting. And that's, that's also interesting here in Paraguay and why Paraguay is interesting for a lot of digital nomads as a home base because Paraguay has a territorial tax system which means they only tax income made in Paraguay. So for example, I also have a web design business with clients in Germany and for, del- for those income streams, I don't have to pay taxes.
0: I also noticed, I noticed uh, uh, through, the,
2: through website the website
0: that, uh, that uh, for this for... service, uh, you you also accept uh, Bitcoin and of course the the King Monero, Monero.
2: correct. And, and
0: what what was the decision yeah. behind that?
2: Well, uh, it was basically my idea because I love Monero. Um, I have been writing my master's thesis for my studies about cryptocurrency and arrived at the conclusion that Monero is the only cryptocurrency right now in the market that can actually become money or currency that can be used. And I've been involved with Monero talk, Monerotopia for, um, a long time. I, um, helped them out behind the scenes for nine months. And, um, I love the ethos of Douglas Tuman. Who always wants to find use cases and ways to use actually Monero, and also convinces stores to accept Monero, and that was also my idea that we are, that we can and are going to accept Monero, and also Bitcoin because it's the biggest cryptocurrency, and if someone wants to use it, I'm okay with it, but I prefer Monero.
0: I completely agree. Um, as soon as I got into the crypto space. Yes. Uh, I'd always been interested in cryptography anyways, but realizing realizing. it's a digital asset that uh, could hold some form of value. um, It just made sense to me that privacy has to be at the center of that. And I mean, Bitcoin's completely transparent. I, I don't want anybody snooping through my bank account seeing where I spend my money. Um, and there's, after everything that had happened, uh, in Canada with the, the, the freedom truckers, them having their, uh, Bitcoin donations blacklisted, so they couldn't do anything about it. It's like, that doesn't seem like a smart idea to move everyone over to Bitcoin. If, you know, a government or a corporation could just come in and say, oh, well, you can't uh, move your money. You can't exchange your money. That, that's it, you're blacklisted.
2: Yeah, that's, um, well, I wasn't at the beginning too much interested in the privacy part, um, but I analyzed it from the, let's say, scientific standpoint of the um, Austrian economy, economics, um, and I analyzed the properties of money, and Bitcoin covers almost all of them except fungibility, which only monero covers and as you said a uh, cryptocurrency that where, where one unit of cryptocurrency is not worth the same as any other unit can not become and be used as money as you said the bitcoin uh, which were donated for the canadian truckers are basically worthless because they cannot use them and that's how i arrived to the conclusion that only monero can prevail in the crypto space
0: well, it, it kind of seemed interesting to me that, you know, you take the cryptography out of cryptocurrency, and it's not it's cryptocurrency not- anymore. So that, that never made sense to me. Um, liberty itself can't exist without privacy. Uh, that, that's, that's a cornerstone building block of the existence of, the existence of liberty. liberty. And... and- The idea of no privacy is just terrifying.
2: Yes, I mean, at least uh, you should be, you should have the option and the right to retain your privacy. Bitcoin was practically efficient back in the days when there were no KYC at all. But since the government made it um, an obligation to register yourself to use Bitcoin for the everyday user, since then Bitcoin became basically useless.
0: Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, so I'm, I'm, I guess, heavily involved in the, uh, libertarian movement, the, the libertarian party here in the United States. Um, I'm chairman of my County party. I work alongside the the state party. Um, you know, so I'm really involved with it and considering the, You know, that the principles of libertarianism, there is a surprising amount of people still pushing Bitcoin as if it is going to be the the savior. You know, that that's what's going to be able to um, free us from government monetary slavery. And I just I have to laugh about it. It's, it's not going to. And all of these really smart people um, keep pushing it. And it's a little concerning.
2: Yes, I also don't understand it in the least. Uh, I don't know, it's ridiculous to think that Bitcoin can free us, when it's already been shown that it can't with Canada, then also with Ukraine um, and Russia, where they censored transactions. Um, and yeah, as you said, it's really concerning that a lot of libertarians think that Bitcoin is going to save us. Maybe some of them don't know Monero, but also there's a lot of people who actually know Monero. And, uh, for some reason they think that Bitcoin is better than Monero because I don't know, it's bigger, but that doesn't make sense at all.
0: So it was, uh, your, your decision to accept Monero, um, when you started this project
2: yes immediately yeah
1: was your idea
0: <laughs> and and so how how has it like worked out has that been a major selling point to people
2: um i'm not that sure um it has attracted a lot of people from the monero community itself but i think most people still want to pay in cash because it's easier yeah um, <laughs> less hassle involved also uh, less volatility because to be honest still we're paying our day-to-day things with cash and not with the county. um yeah but it, it has attracted people and also we offer our service that's not being paid in advance because we know that paraguay may sound a little bit fishy and scammy so to make clear that we don't want to scam people people only come here after uh, pay us after they came here after they done the process and then they pay us Either so, in money or in cash yes
0: so um is there let, let's walk through the process just real quick if you, if you guys don't mind just so people have a a better idea of what you're talking about so say say I'm you know fresh into this I've got the cash I want to make the move what do I do
1: You basically contact us. We're going to give you the information about all the paperwork you need. So, once you get all your paperwork, you send them to us. We're going to get them proved by our lawyer, by our partner. That's all going to be proved. And once you get the sums up from us, you can book a flight and you basically come down to Paraguay. We would pick you up at Asuncion, drive you down to Encarnación. And, yeah, most likely the next day we would figure out an appointment with you at the immigration office and everything would be sorted out for you.
0: So it's really pretty much that simple.
1: It's pretty much that simple, yeah.
0: (laughs) That is so wild. Um, Is there, um, I I feel like I should ask this, is is there uh, an opportunity for people to come down and check it out through you guys without having to commit all the way?
2: Mm, we not don't really, no. For mm-hmm. that. And I don't know if it does make sense, because if you're paying for a flight to Paraguay and uh, you already um, have to pay things, um, the Paraguayan residency is not that much to pay extra to obtain. So I don't think it really makes sense to just go to Paraguay to visit it without actually doing a residency.
0: So, with the residency, um is there the option of being to hold like being able to hold dual citizenship or is that something yes. frowned upon? Yes,
1: after 3 years, you can apply for the no, after 5 years I think you can apply for the um Paraguayan passport. So,
0: Interesting. And that's
1: um, actually, I just need to look it up. It's actually not a bad passport to have. It's currently ranking 35th among the passport ranking globally, wow. which you have access to like 106 country visa-free and 32 countries worldwide on visa on arrival. And there are a couple of wow. countries which are like, yeah, hard with the visa, but these are countries like Iran and like, yeah, not countries usually tourists are going to visit.
0: Uh, understandable. Um, So you had mentioned something um, about how the laws had changed and it kind of scared people away. Do you kind of want to explain that and and why it scared people away?
2: Well, before it was, as I said, a permanent residency. So you do the process once and then you get a lifetime residency, um, which was really popular among a lot of Germans. They just came to Paraguay. For vacation did the permanent residency go back to germany live their life and maybe in five or 10 or 15 years if they don't feel like anymore living in germany they come to paraguay so that was a really really easy option and um was basically uh you don't have to think about it twice and now you have to come to paraguay to get the two-year residency which is basically the same process but then after two years you have to come to Paraguay again to do the 10 year residency. So it's one extra step. But so if, you, if what... you want to actually live in Paraguay, nothing much changed. Yes.
0: So what what was the reasoning behind doing that?
2: Um, well, we don't know exactly why they changed it, but uh, people from inside the immigration agency told us that Paragu- the Paraguayan government became a little bit fed up that so many Um, immigrants were coming to to paraguay and doing the permanent residency without actually living in paraguay that's why they uh restricted it a little bit
0: so so they want uh, people to actually come down here be a part of uh the the economy be a part of the culture they don't want to just have the the bragging rights i guess
2: Yes, actually, Paraguayans are happy to actually have immigrants here because as some Paraguayans told us, um, for one, we bring money into the country and we spend it in Paraguay. So it's good for the economy, good for the people. And also we bring knowledge, as I told you before, because of the war in 1870, um, Paraguay isn't really advanced. I think uh, more than 40 percent of the population works in agriculture. So there's not much knowledge about things. And we from Western countries, would bring some knowledge into the country.
0: So, so I I have a feeling that you know, I'll get a comment of me not asking this question if I if I don't ask. Um, how's the internet down there?
1: Uh, it's better than in Germany.
2: <laughs> you would be surprised, really. <laughs> yeah, every time, every time I have a call with with friends or family from Germany and. Something from the internet is stuck. I always ask them what's wrong with your internet in Germany because it's <laughs> working perfectly fine. Um, I, for example, have a 100 megabits um, internet uh, provider and it costs around $15 a month. Wow. And you can wow. upgrade up yep. to yep. 500 megabits here in Encarnacion and in the big, other bigger cities.
1: Yeah, that's what we have. And my wife, she's working online on a daily basis and it's really working out with no problems
0: yeah that's incredible yeah I, I knew for a fact that there, there would be at least one person curious if i didn't ask um so w- what's the culture like um in the in the cities versus the uh a- anywhere surrounding the cities is are the cities pretty much just like everywhere else
1: yeah i would say so
2: yeah, yeah you can say that there's the a stark difference between cities and the countryside. Um, also, with regards to following regulation and laws, uh, the big cities are much more like the Western countries. Asuncion is basically like any other um, big city. But as soon as you go to the countryside, people are just more I would call it natural. They just uh, think simple, them, yeah, yeah. act naturally. Um, so yeah we we actually do live in the city here in Encarnacion, but we have friends who live a little bit outside like 10 to 30 minutes drive and it's just a whole nother world
0: so uh to dig into the cities a little bit more is is it uh because it's a poorer country um i mean do they have any of the modern uh, I don't want to call them luxuries. I don't view them that way. But any of the modern yeah, we amenities, have,
1: we have that here, absolutely. Like you have in Asuncion, for example. You have shopping malls. They, they are like in the States or in Germany. Like they're really incredible. Like you wouldn't even notice you're like in a, let's say, in a poor country. Yeah, and here in, in Encarnacion, they are just building a big Costanera, a big shopping center, and like yeah, it's gonna be on a Western standard. You have big chains like Pizza Hut here. You have like New York Pizza. You have KFC here, Burger King. Like all the major brands are available, like everywhere in the world.
0: So, that leads me to to, to wonder why, in in your both of your opinions, why does this somewhat of a hidden gem uh, stay hidden?
2: Mm, well, among Germans, it's not hidden anymore. Uh, it appears <laughs> mainstream media are yeah. uh, talking about like um, anti-vaxxers going to, to Paraguay. Um, but among the English speaking countries, it's still pretty hidden. And I don't really know why I don't either. It's,
1: yeah but it's personally the same for me i did not know anything about paraguay and i was like really they knew a lot about different countries I never paraguay on my radar
0: well you know i i'm a uh, product of government school in the u.s so there's no surprise why i didn't know much about paraguay yeah um yeah it's, it's just interesting to me um I, I know there's this belief um, I've kind of had to break out of it as, as well of just, well this is just where I live so this is where I'm gonna be and I I don't know maybe maybe that contributes to a little bit of it because people just don't even think about
2: it absolutely yeah I have some libertarian friends in Germany and I also asked them uh, from 2020 on if they don't think about leaving Germany and going to maybe Paraguay or a different country and they're just they just so um, tied into the society, their friends and their family in Germany that they won't leave.
0: Yeah, this, yeah this, uh, I, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I understand not wanting to, to take that take leap, that but at what I point would... is enough enough? to make you take that leap? And uh, I mean, do you just want to sit and be bullied?
2: <clears throat> yes, that's that's why um, I think it's a great option for uh, to have the Paraguayan residency because right now it may be okay to live in the States or in Europe or in Germany, um, although it's still has gone a long way if you think back three years how life was back then and how it's today it's incredible how it changed but it still is kind of um possible to live among uh, the us and germany but who knows what's in two years who knows what's in five years
0: yeah it it seems as though um and i i live in a moderately free um part of the country um there's definitely a lot of uh issues because we're pretty much a a one-party state uh one political party state because it's it's a red state and you know the the democrats just can't get traction here other than the capital city and surroundings surrounding areas um it, it seems like a lot of of the people with terrible intentions to, you know, cause harm to society at large has just ramped things up, uh, and, and sped up whatever terrible ideas that they have See here. So one thing I wanted to dive into was uh, specifically, um, from your website, you have uh, a section, our services. And so there, there's two options that you guys offer. Uh, Do you want to quickly go over those and, um, well, as much detail as you want?
2: Uh, Well, yeah, the first option is um, the seven-day Paraguay experience, where we pick you up at the airport. Um, We also provide for all the hotels, and um, we basically show you the country. where we start in Asuncion. Um, and then we go down to Encarnacion, which is, um, probably the nicest city in, in all of Paraguay. We have three beaches down here. We have a ocean like river, and it's everything is just, uh, more clean and tidy and, um, much more secure than the rest of Paraguay here. And also we are going to do the residency here in, Para- uh, in Encarnacion. And after that, we're going to visit the Jesuit ruins. And after that, we are going to Ciudad uh, um, del Este, which is the second biggest city in Paraguay. There we are going to visit uh, Itaipudam, which is the second biggest hydroelectric power plant in the world. And also um, we are crossing the border to Brazil um, to visit the Iguazu Falls, um, which is a really big system of waterfalls and is one of the um, seven natural seven, wonders. Right. Seven seven wonders of the nature. Um, and after that, we're going back to Ascension um, and bring you to the airport. And that's that. And the second option is just, we pick you up at the airport in Ascension, go to Encarnacion with you, do the residency process, and that's it. And, and that, that, that's
0: next, pretty much pretty just, much uh, just uh, laying everything out here's the country right yep a, a guided
2: tour so the first option
1: the first option is a guided tour yes and for and the second you-
2: option like if you want to just get the residency you can come to Encarnacion. we do it and you can go back and if you want to explore the country by yourself we have a a guide sheet with recommendations for hotels for car rentals for spots to visit um where you can get a um, a Paraguayan SIM card and all that stuff that you need.
0: So that, that would lead me to, uh, to ask, yeah, how great. is, um, the, the crime rate down there, uh, both in the city and outside the city?
2: That's a really good question. Uh, I don't have the official statistics, probably they don't exist. Um, and I don't trust them either. um but it's a question that i get a lot of times from friends and family in germany and i experienced the let's say the fatal crime rate in paraguay less than for example in germany so uh, murder or rape something or robbery is less common in paraguay which is what is more common is theft so um that people break into your house when you're not at home that's think? what
1: we experienced. Like we went to a party and like we got home and like, yeah, some guys on a motorbike, they knocked on the door and like, yeah, I stole the computer, stole cash. And yeah, but they left the passports. And yeah, it was sure annoying, but it happens everywhere in the world. It happens in Germany. It happens in the States. Like I wouldn't blame Paraguay for it.
2: So that's so- why why most people in Paraguay have either dogs who protect the property or they have some security system. so
0: it's it's it's, it's not uh uh, abnormally high it's compared comparative to pretty much anywhere
1: i personally would say walking down in the night in Encarnacion here i feel safer than in frankfurt in the night absolutely that's my opinion yeah and it's safer here definitely than frankfurt at night
0: well and yeah, i i've seen a lot of um, similar issues um within the eu um here in the states of uh you know releasing criminals uh, pretty much catch and release is what they call it yeah they'll just just get picked up for something and just Just check into jail and 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 send them on their their way way back back
2: out frequently in germany and in whole europe since the migrant crisis of 2015. that's just uh, a common case that they catch some of the so-called refugees, and then release them again.
0: So, um, I kind of wanted to touch on that, actually, as uh, you know, some reasons why people would want to leave. Uh, but real quick, I just wanted to to ask. You had mentioned the schools, um, your positive outlooks on them. What about uh, like the the healthcare system, um, and a- any of these other uh, necessities? Yeah necessities uh...
1: like let's say to be honest with the health system here in Paraguay, like if you go to a public hospital you won't get the same treatment most likely which you would get in the states or in germany like the medicine the standard it's way higher in europe like another case for example you have an accident on the road in germany like after 20 minutes you get like a helicopter flown on to the side and they bring you to hospital I don't think there's a helicopter like that existing in Paraguay who brings you to a hospital. So these are like the, the downsides of Paraguay too. But on the other side, they have a good private hospital here. And I've been there with my son and it was just excellent service. Like you get treated immediately, you pay and yeah, you claim, claim it to your insurance later. But yeah, it was, my opinion was better service than in Germany. Yeah. Interesting.
0: So you, you said that it was a private, um, it's a private
2: health. hospital, yeah.
0: So so there's also uh, public, uh, government It's owned.
1: public and private, exactly. Interesting. Interesting. The public
2: ha- hospitals are actually free, but as Matthias said, you probably don't want to go there. You want to go to a <laughs> private hospital, and the private health insurance is something like, I think, 150 to $200 a month.
0: <laughs> I mean, Which I is mean, quite, quite
2: different
1: in different. Europe or in the States.
0: You know... Uh, the, the cheese in the mousetrap is also free, but you definitely don't want that.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> so there, there's a definitely a lot of misconceptions. Uh, I, I would largely blame on, um, misconceptions here in the States about exactly things that are going on over in Europe, which I would blame on the media, uh, because it's just lies after lies. So, When you mention migrant crisis, what what exactly do you mean?
2: Yeah, well, um, from 2015 on starting, um, when the whole European Union started their migrant politics, there were, I think, in the first year, one or two million migrants from North Africa coming to Germany and up until now, it's probably three or four million and they basically get everything for free in Germany. They got free housing, free um, social insurance, free medical insurance. And um, the crime rates skyrocketed in some cases, for example, for um, rape, threats, for, rape um, for theft and for robbery. and um, As Matthias said, you don't want to go to um, big central stations in big cities in Germany during the night, for example, Frankfurt, or I lived in Regensburg, which is a um, city in Bavaria, which is really, really wealthy, has one of the lowest unemployment rates. And um, almost every week there was an article in the local news that someone got stabbed near the central station.
0: And and that, that's just typical uh, to where the citizens kind of accept it?
2: They accept well, it, yeah. Uh, it actually, seems like
1: they're accepting it, yes.
2: Actually, most don't really know. They heard some stories, but um, the censorship in German media is so big that these articles, if ever, um, get published in the local news, never in the, the big news, the big media. And, um, they started to censor the origins of, um, of the, the, the rapists or the, the attackers. So it's always just a man attacked or raped someone. So nobody knows who it was, but if you look twice, if you look, look a little bit closer, you know, but most people just, they, they have some feeling, but they don't know. And they don't want to believe all those, um, right-wing extremists and those conspiracy theorists. So most people, they have a feeling, but they don't really know.
0: So, um, is it, uh, is is yes. it true that yes. most of the people coming into the, to the country, to, to the EU are actually like young fighting age males?
2: Yes, yes,
1: yes, yes. absolutely. absolutely
0: and and how exactly exactly is this this sold sold? to the to the public like are they uh... we need to
1: help the people basically and we need to help the refugees and we need to support them we need to set up camps for them and like i mean i personally understand those people like they're in africa they they take the chance for a better life i, I totally personally understand those people but what i blame the german government for it because they they have no integration programs for them like sure we can take let's say a million people but then you need to have an integration program for those people you need to help them you need to make them learn the language you need to integrate them and then they would be good maybe for the german workforce but what we are doing we put them in a camp they are not allowed to work so just imagine like it's it's like a backpacker for refugees you have like 20 young let's say africans and they sit there they're not allowed to work and sure they want to drink they want to have party which is i would have done the same in that age and they're going out like and then they don't get much money from the government and yeah it doesn't function like in my hometown there was like a refugee home and they were setting up for the winter big radiators there And then like a week later, the refugees, they they ripped out all the radiators, put them up to the scrap metal yard, got like $20, and then they they sold booths and they bought booths of that. So, But the taxpayers are paying like the radiators next week again, they got installed, like it's incredible.
0: Obviously, I mean, I I don't know too many people who have the intention of wanting people to suffer. So I, I understand that wanting to help people um you know the idea that i might have uh excess amount of this resource so i can spread it around voluntarily yeah of course that's a great idea i can't imagine too many people that would disagree with it i don't personally uh, i i can't grasp the idea of their country is so bad their government is so bad that it's now our responsibility as, you know, Germany or France or whatever. It's our responsibility to take care of them. That I don't understand.
2: Yes, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. It's it's the thing that a welfare state and open immigration doesn't fit. It's not possible. Either you have uh, open immigration or you have a welfare state, but both combined is not possible. And uh, also, I disagree a little bit with Matthias on that point. I don't think that Germany should offer an immigration program or do it better. They just I mean, can... if
1: we let them in, I would say if we let them in, then we need to help them.
2: Well, my so, point so, is, like, if and... they want to come in, they can come here. They come, can come to Germany. They can work. They can learn the language. They can um, they can basically help themselves and integrate themselves. But no German um, citizen should be obligated to help someone in any way.
0: Yeah, it it shouldn't be a free ride. You should have to earn citizenship. Yes. Yeah, and I I completely agree with that as well. Um, Definitely some sort of a a work visa program to where it could turn into citizenship, if that's the direction somebody wanted to go. Um, Obviously, People with a liberty mindset—it's all about the consent. It's all about making the individual's choice, and that's, I think, why it's hard for um, Americans to understand uh, pretty much what's going on over in Europe. Um, There's definitely an interesting view. It's, you know, I can only speak of uh, what I have experienced of people's attitude of what's, what's happening, happening in Europe. In Europe um, it's kind of kind like, of like it, it, it appears it, as it, if, like all of it, these all terrible these things, things are happening, everyone's ignoring it. And then, you know, the, the native Europeans are just still acting hoity-toity like, oh, we're so much better than you. And that's largely due to the media um portraying uh, things that way that way um, yes. so are things actually worse in europe than most people would imagine
2: i would say so yes yeah, i would totally agree to him. yes yes
0: it, it, I, imagine I imagine it, it shows it. no, no, no signs, signs of stopping, stopping or, slowing. or slowing
2: not at all that was the worst thing Like those things started in, well, the downturn, I think started in 2010, 2011 with the Euro crisis back then. And and then it got worse in 2015 with the migrant crisis. But the turning point for me was uh, when the so-called pandemic started and the government responses that people just didn't care at all. They just blindly obeyed the rules. And for me, that was the point where I thought it doesn't get better. It only gets, gets worse.
1: And there's a big line of refugees. Like there's a big wave coming up now to Germany. Like they're like just waiting, basically. I'm pretty sure like there will be a big wave we had like in 2015, which was really pushed by the media. And we're gonna have a similar wave of refugees coming lining up next year, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, the, it's the uh, open border policy. Yeah. Um, we we pretty much have the same thing here. You know. Uh, the, the yeah, idea of having a I mean, secured border, border at all, at all. Uh, was touted as racist, which has nothing to do with race, but, you know, um, whatever. It, it, and yeah, it's that's a, a
1: problem a, for us Germans. Like, if we talk our opinion about the refugees in Germany, like the way we are just doing it openly now here, you're immediately a racist and, yeah, it's really it's hard. Really hard. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it happens here, too. Um, obviously if you're on a college campus it would probably be worse than if you were out in you know the countryside yeah uh, however, however it, it it's pretty it's bad. bad you know there's people on the left will uh, claim all these terrible things happening and you know they should be accepted for whatever their belief is or their lifestyle or just whatever but then they will they will be the ultimate hypocrite um tell you that you have to accept their way uh, otherwise you're just a bigot, you're a racist, you're anti-semitic, just like whatever buzzword you want to use and i i've just got to a point where i i don't care. It's like you're trying to manipulate me. Uh, it doesn't work. So i is is there any resistance over there, like even like small pockets of people that are just tired of this?
2: Uh, there is, but in my opinion, it's too small, and people are still um, still accepting, uh, let's say, the powers that be. Um, it's something that I experienced personally. Um, there was a big, uh, big, huge movement in Germany in 2020 in August. There was a um, demonstration against COVID, where there have been, I assume, something like a million people, or almost a million people. Where I thought that's a huge hit, but then after that, the government uh, prohibited demonstrations against the uh, COVID measures, and then people just didn't show up anymore. It was before it was a few hundred thousand people and then maybe a thousand in Berlin, for example, Mm -hmm. and that was when I thought, well, are they actually serious about resisting um, the system and the government? Because when the government just says you can't demonstrate and people say, well, okay, then I'm better stay home, uh, that's not really resisting in my opinion.
0: Yeah, if you just end up bending the knee, what's the point? So, we'll we'll start wrapping up here, so I don't so keep you guys too long. Um, so I really have the strong belief that really the only way forward um, for for the long term is going to be uh, enclaves or like collectives of people with similar values um yep. literally just creating just their own neighborhoods. neighborhoods that's what uh, we did you know yeah yep. and that's my uh go-to example here in the states currently um is uh the libertarian party of new hampshire i'm not sure if you guys are familiar with them uh if you're not you should be <laughs> there they're, they're a wild bunch, a bunch, of, people. bunch of people they, they they're, they're great they're, um, it, it just seems like that's the only way moving forward is, you know, your neighbors have the same values because it's, it's too divided now. Um, yeah. so, that's so that's honestly, honestly I was, I was, I was just, just once again, so, so stoked, stoked about yeah. what you guys have going on. Um, and it, it's, it's just great that there actually still is a resistance and it seems to be growing.
1: Yeah, another thing like about the prices here in Paraguay—it's still everything is really affordable. Like back in in Europe, like I come from Germany, Stuttgart, and the town where I lived—it's like yeah, it's not possible to buy a house or anything for a family anymore. Like you're talking at least half a million euros to buy a normal standard house, and yeah, here it's incredible. Like you buy a. Yeah, if you're outside in the campo here, you buy like a hectare. It's, I don't know with the measurements in the States, I think it's almost two acres a hectare. And it's like for $4,000. You know, or living here, like I'm renting a beautiful house in the middle of town and it's $320 a month with a big (laughs) garden and everything, including power. Like, yeah, and I have the AC running and yeah, it's really cheap living here.
0: Yeah, and that's fairly standard, right? Yes. Yeah, that's that's incredible. I mean, even have that uh, standard of living, and you still have a corrupt government as well. Well, <laughs> yes, yes, it's amazing they can uh, exist together like but that. here it's
1: good like everyone complains paraguay is corrupt and in germany the people are telling me a paraguay is a really corrupt country but for me we have money it's awesome like if the police they stop you like for example you have a little issue in germany you will have to go to court and it's it's a big thing and here you just pay like whatever they they ask you for and then this thing is done
2: so uh, that's amazing like victimless crimes here in paraguay you can get around them I mean, if you you kill someone or or hurt someone, then you can't get around that. But like victimless crimes, you can get around it. Yeah. No victim, no crime. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, And also, the tax rate in Paraguay is 10%. And I don't know, I assume that the government robs at least half of it. So Paraguay only has like 5% tax. And they still can build roads they have a police force they have military they have all the essential things with effectively only five percent taxes
0: that's that's ridiculous <laughs> it's right there that what you just said <laughs> is going to explode the minds of some statists <laughs> so and we'll we'll wrap up on this where do you guys want um your company to go, like, where, where do you see yourselves going with it?
1: Like, actually, like, being, like, similar to all the Germans, like, all the German immigrant helpers, and, yeah, we just want to offer the same service for, like, the Americans or English speaking, and, yeah, hope there can be a community created here with other foreigners and not just Germans.
0: Yeah, honestly, that, that's great. Yeah. Um, I'll gladly help any way I can. Uh, we'll, we'll stay in touch. Uh, because I, I would like to promote this,
1: um, yeah, come down and visit us in Paraguay. You're welcome. You're I, enjoy I would it. love to.
0: <laughs> I mean, you, you sold me. So it, it, uh, sounds like a hell of a good time down there. Um, so the, the whole purpose of me starting this show was to highlight these specific things. And, uh, so I got to thank you guys for coming on. Thank you for uh, um, just putting your necks out on the line. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do these days, and uh, courage is contagious. So I truly believe uh, showcasing this is going to slowly but surely make the world a better place. So, um, any anything else that we haven't covered, you want somebody to know or uh where people can find you uh
2: well i wanted to say one last thing which you mentioned before that the only way out of this tyranny is to build uh small groups of people and clubs and just small households working together um i think actually exactly the same i read uh, ayn rand's atlas shrugged this year Mm -hmm. finally and i think the way she described it in her book is just the way to do it like um take your energy out of the system. That's uh, one thing also why I love Monero and using Monero. And I think it's the only way out. I am I still have a long way to go. I still live in the city center of a big city in an apartment, but um, I also think that's the only way we can fight the tyranny effectively.
0: Yeah, I, I just don't see it any other way. It, there's such a small group of people who actually want to live without a jack boot on their throat and strength in numbers. So let's see here. I wanted to make sure and bring this up. Uh, this is for everyone watching, Um, for everyone listening. this uh, I had pulled up the website, uh, which is in the episode description. And uh, I've gone ahead and made sure to Uh, place it in any social media posts as well. So make sure and go check this out. Um, Spread this episode around. It's really interesting. If you see what's going on, all of the corruption, uh, the the pain and misery being caused by other people for, uh, I I don't know why, Uh, I don't think that way. So it's hard for me to justify it. There's people out here such as these two gentlemen, uh, along with uh, their partners who couldn't make it tonight. But there are people out there trying to do well in the world. And uh, that information needs to be spread to keep hope up. Um, a lot of people definitely feel black-pilled or hopeless these days. and. Uh, it's it's not as bad as uh, people would like to think, so I would like to thank you guys um, again for coming on. Nice um, yeah. Thanks for inviting. Yeah, having and, us any, anytime. I, I would like I would to like... get you guys back on. You know, get a, get an update eventually, how things are going, um, all of that stuff. Always up for a uh, conversation. You guys are welcome back anytime, and uh, we'll we'll end the broadcast and hang on for just a minute so we can uh, get everything uploaded. Um, Otherwise, thank you for making it to this point in the episode. Make sure to hit that like, subscribe button, Uh, share this episode, as I stated before, and uh, got some good shows coming up. Uh, Let's see. we have got Reed Coverdale coming up on Tuesday. Um, Got all just all kinds of stuff. That's pretty much what I've been doing all day is uh, scheduling new shows. So uh, until next time, stay free, my friends.